Welcome to Double Deal, a series about organized crime in 20th century Boston. The stories of our central character, Richard Tchaikovsky. The criminals, the crimes, and the law enforcement officers who ruled the streets. Nina and I will be your guides through the darkest streets of Boston, telling you the true stories of criminals, crimes, and lies. Hi, everyone. We're back this week to continue discussing the activities of Raymond Patriarca and the men who frequented or were frequent topics of discussion at the Coinomatic. We definitely need to do another episode about the comings and goings there, but today we are focusing on the feuds between the Marfeo, Malay, and Bakari families. I've been obsessed with quotes these days, so I have to share one that I think is perfect for this episode. Better to be judged by 12 than carried by six. I wish I knew who to attribute that one to. It's so apropos. You either face the jury or the casket. Either way, you make the newspapers, and these people certainly did. We'll also be covering Jackie Nazarian and Rudy Sciarra today, but only up until 1966. The slayings of Rudy Maffeo and Anthony Malay and the aftermath will be part of this season's finale. Laura, who do you want to start with? Let's start with the connections between the families, and they go in chronological order for the most part covering what they were up to. Joe Bakari was married to Gloria Curia. Rudy Maffeo was married to Gloria's sister, Evelyn Curia. Savino Maffeo was married to Angelina Bakari. Freddie Maffeo was married to Rosina Bakari. Jackie Nazarian was married to Sarah Bakari. Louis Maffeo was married to Antoinette Barbieri. John Barbieri was her older brother. The link to this page, this episode's page is in the show notes where you can find their wiki tree pages. If you're interested more in their family connections, you can look there. Nina has started a gangster project on wiki tree, which you're welcome to join. The link for that is also in the show notes. Yes, please join in if you have information or on anyone in particular, or if you're a genealogy enthusiast like Laura and I are. Let's give some family background before we jump into the timeline. I'll start with Jackie and then weave in the others. John F. Jackie Nazarian was born on May 3rd, 1926 in Providence, Rhode Island to John Nazarian and Mary Giordano. He was married to Sarah Bakari, who was born on April 8th, 1931 in Providence. Sarah was the 13th child of Gitano Bakari and Angelina Baroni. Gitano Bakari was born in Benevento, Campania, Italy, and came to the United States when he was about six years old. Angelina Baroni was born in New York, but moved to Rhode Island with her family sometime prior to her marriage in May of 1907. Her brother, Alberto, was an associate of the Morelli brothers and was sent to the Atlanta Penn with them in 1920. Neither of us were able to find a marriage license for Sarah and Jackie. The Rhode Island marriage index only goes to 1920. Bizarrely, Rhode Island residents were running across the border into Bristol County, Massachusetts to get married in the 1930s, so I can only imagine what the rules governing marriage licenses were like in Rhode Island. On Jackie's draft card, he's described as 5'8", 145 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. The first arrest I could find for Jackie was in October of 1942. He and two other boys robbed a cigarette truck and sold the cigarettes to a store owner. It doesn't appear they served any time for this offense because they were still underage. Let me bring in the Maffeo family next. Savino Maffeo Sr. was born in 1886 in Caserta, Campania, Italy. He arrived in the United States in 1905 and married Lucia D'Annunzio in Providence the following year. They were the parents of 11 children, two of whom married Bakari girls. 
And then finally, the Sciarra family. Antonio Sciarra was born in 1885 in Pico, Lazio, Italy, and emigrated to the U.S. in 1901. He married Antonetta Brasco, who was from Rocca Monfina Caserta Campania in 1907, and they had 11 children. From what we could find, none of the Sciarra family intermarried with the Beccaris or the Maffeos, but that didn't stop them from running together. Now that we've got that mess out of the way, let's get into their crimes. We're starting in the 1940s. In October of 1942, Rudy Schiaro, Willie Maffeo, and Angelo DeSaro were arrested for a B&E at the West Exchange Warehouse. The liquor theft took place in April of 1941. Willie had several priors at that point for mostly driving offenses, but also attempted larceny. Rudy Schiaro enlisted in the Army on March 1st of 1943, presumably to avoid a jail sentence. But Willie Maffeo continued on his mini-crime spree. With Rudy in the service, he found a partner in crime in Rudy's brother, Dante Schiara. They were both arrested in July of 1943 for breaking into five freight cars in the Harris Avenue freight yard. By August, Willie had broken out of jail and was on the lam. Two months later, he was recaptured and sentenced to three years. Willie's brother, Joseph Maffeo, was also in trouble. In August of that year, he was arrested and held on $5,000 bail for a B&E and Rudy Maffeo pled guilty to a B&E of a social club in September of 1943. The following month, Anthony Maffeo was sentenced to three years for receiving stolen goods. He would end up serving over a year longer than he should have because of his continued escape attempts. In December of 1943, Joseph Buffy Bakari was picked up for larceny. He had stolen $151.40 worth of merchandise from a parked truck. The following month, Jackie and two others were arrested for stealing 50 ounces of silver, valued at $400. In February, Jackie was sentenced to nine months, but the sentence was deferred. A federal warrant was issued for Rudy Maffeo and Joe Bakari that same month. They were accused of stealing $1,000 worth of silver from a truck on December 16, 1943. In March, Willie Maffeo pleaded guilty for his pending case, and Dante Schiara and Anthony Maffeo were given probation for their pending case. Two other Bakaris were also in trouble with the law that year. Ito was arrested for deserting the army, and in retaliation, Albert pelted the cops with rocks. I can't. 1945 was a relatively quiet year, except for Willie Maffeo. In September, after being freed, he stole some clothing and led the police on a chase. He landed back in jail once again. In January of 1946, Jackie Nazarian knocked down and robbed a man of $5.70. He was picked up and the bail was denied because of the previously deferred sentence. That same month, Joe Bakari, Rudy Maffeo, and Valentino Cairo were tried for stealing gold plates from a truck worth $900. They were each sentenced to three years in state prison. Frank Millay was arrested for stealing jewelry from parked cars that same month. On May 28, 1946, Jackie was sentenced to 18 months in state prison. Later in that year, Anthony Maffeo was facing betting charges. 1947 was also relatively quiet as most of the boys were off the street, but Louis Maffeo was arrested in December for possession of stolen property. The following May, Freddie Maffeo married Rose Bakari. Frank Malay was picked up in October of 48 for stealing radiators. The following month, Jackie Nazarian, Joe Bakari, and Anthony Maffeo were arrested for stealing 14 bales of worsted wool. Anthony and Joseph were also charged with stealing a couple of bathrobes. By February of 1949, Jackie, Albert Bakari, and Eleuterio Marzilli were facing charges for the theft of five bales of worsted wool from a truck. 
Each was convicted, and Jackie was given a four-year federal sentence, landing him in the pen in Atlanta. I just want to complain again that we've repeatedly asked the archives for the documents related to this case, and our requests have gone ignored. Later in 49, Joe Bakari was charged along with Rudy Maffeo with burglary charges. Joe received five years, and Rudy received a deferred sentence. Jackie wasn't the only Nazarian family member who was up to no good. His brother was arrested in October of 1949 for stealing cigarettes, cigars, candy, linens, and bedsheets. His father was arrested in December of 49 for possessing illegal lottery slips, and again in January of 1950 for illegal sales of alcohol at the local bocce club. In March of 1950, Jackie's brother Paul was killed in a car accident along with two of his neighbors. Other than some minor traffic violations, the 50s started off uneventfully. Savino Maffeo married the youngest Bakari, Angelina, in April of 51. Then in June of 51, Anthony Maffeo was indicted for conspiracy to steal silver wire worth $1,700. Anthony still had two deferred sentences, so he was held without bail. In the spring of 1952, Arnold Schuster was shot to death in New York City. It was believed that he was marked for the hit because he turned Willie the actor Sutton into the police. The story goes that John Chappie Mazziotta was shaking down Sutton. Mazziotta lost a source of income because Schuster gave up Sutton, and that's why Mazziotta whacked Schuster. According to Raymond Patriarca, Mazziotta ended up on the lamb in Nazarian's house in the summer of 1952. You'll recall from our previous episode that Harvey Bastani was an associate of Sutton's and was arrested at a diner on the Providence Warwick Highway in early May that year with Denny Litvin Romandi. Also arrested with them was Michael Mandela. Maybe Bastani was looking for Mazziotta, or maybe he'd already killed him. Walter Stone said that Bastani had a 38 revolver in a shoulder holster and a 32 automatic in his pants pocket when they picked him up, and we know Denny Litvin was carrying. What happened to Aunt Mazziotta after he left Jackie's is still a mystery to this day. His body has never been found. The authorities were still looking for him as late as 1975. Another name added to the list of the missing. In September of 52, Jackie's father passed away. Joseph Maffei was back in court in late 1952 for receiving illegal welfare payments, and his brother Savino was facing charges for participating in a breaking and entering case. The following year, in February, Rudy Maffeo was sentenced to one year in prison. On March 28, 1953, the courthouse in Providence was the place to be. Louis Minocchio was charged with larceny of a motor vehicle and illegal possession of a concealed weapon. Tiger Boletto was indicted for larceny. Dominic Biafori was facing robbery charges, as was his brother-in-law, Max and Sarah, who was also hit with weapons charges. Anthony Rotundo and Raymond Curcio were looking at charges for a B&E of a TV set. What was with these people and their TV set obsession? Punchy? Pro? There's somebody else, but I can't remember who it is now. Fucking kleptos. Who knows? I remember the story about my Uncle Danny and Johnny Mazer trying to steal a radio, but it was plugged in and they both got caught. Such madness. Okay, back to the list. And last but not least, Savino Marfeo Jr. received a deferred sentence for robbing a social club. Then in June, Joseph Bakari killed Augustino Bucci in a barroom brawl. Augustino used to run with Jackie Nazarian, and let's not forget about the Malay brothers. In November, the Barmel jewelry store was nearly burnt down. I'm not sure what the real story was there, but it wouldn't be the only fire. In late April 1954, Jackie Nazarian and two other men were arrested on charges of the rape and robbery of Alice Nalbandian. 
The judge cleared them in July of that year based on testimony from a police officer who said that Mrs. Nalbandian wasn't sure about the identities of her attackers. In January the following year, Jackie was once again in court, first for assaulting a man with a tire iron. The victim reneged and said he wasn't sure who had attacked him. The following day, Jackie, along with his brothers-in-law, Harry and Joseph Bakari, appeared in court. The three of them were charged with scamming $2,500 from John Barbieri, a local building contractor who also happened to be their brother-in-law. They'd promised him 50,000 feet of mixed lumber, but they never delivered. The charges against Jackie and Joe Bakari were dismissed, but Harry Bakari was held on $4,000 bond. Barbieri would be charged with perjury in the summer, but those charges were eventually dropped. Joseph Bakari didn't stay out of trouble for long. In March of 1955, he was charged with the murder of Ernest Lefty Pizzo. Joseph pleaded no contest in June and was sentenced to 20 years in state prison. George Tiger Belletto was shot to death as he sat on a stool at the Bella Napoli on August 10, 1955. The bartender, Jerry Pellucci, told the police that Belletto had been drinking since about 7.30 p.m. and that for about an hour before the shooting at 12.30 a.m., he had become more and more obnoxious, challenging everyone in the bar. Jerry claimed that when the first shot was fired, he ducked. According to Jerry, there were about a dozen people in the bar, but when he looked up, a moment later, it was empty and Boletta was lying across two stools. State Police Colonel Walter Stone said that the murderer had stood in the alcove in the back of the bar, approached Boletto from behind, and shot him five times. Boletto had a record dating back to 1933, and acquaintances said his personality ranged from good nature to bone crushing, so there would be plenty of people motivated to kill him. Alfredo, the blind pig Rossi, was also on the scene when the police arrived, but he claimed he wasn't in the bar, but rather across the street when the shooting happened. Rossi was a close associate of Raymond's, a frequent visitor to the Coinomatic, and rumored to be one of the largest fences in the Northeast. His son, John, would eventually get himself wrapped up with Raymond's inner circle. He'll be covered at the end of the season. A seven-hour autopsy showed that two 9mm slugs passed through Belletto's heart, one shattered his skull, and two hit his legs. All the shots were fired at close range. A sixth rusty 32 caliber bullet was lodged deep in his right shoulder. It had come from a 1947 alley brawl. That crime had gone unsolved because Belletto had given the cops conflicting stories about the shooting. On November 14th, Edward Hannon was found beaten and strangled to death. It was believed that he was killed because he witnessed the shooting of Boletto. Another witness, Thomas Shanley, was under police protection following the killing of Hannon. No one was ever convicted of either the Boletto or Hannon murders, but Walter Stone believed that it was Jackie, and the local newspapers ran with it, calling Jackie, quote, a key suspect, unquote, in Boletto's killing. Try getting a fair trial in that kind of environment. Boletto and Hannon were both ex-boxers. Boletto and Michael Mandela, no known relation to Raymond's wife, had been running a betting scam called Past Posting. They would place bets on horse races after they had already been run. Frank Ferrara was in charge of that scam. There were rumors that they had been skimming from Frank. Of course, I'm suspicious that the blind pig was on the scene. Not that he would have been the hitter, but maybe he was there to make sure that the hit went down. I have my suspicions, too, and I don't believe that Jackie killed Boletto. The authorities wanted to make something stick. After the case with Mrs. Nalbandian flopped, they slapped him with the charge of assault with intent to murder, this time for trying to kill Louis Greco on July 4, 1954. 
Jackie was freed on January 19, 1956, because Greco refused to testify. Later that month, Frank Millay was found innocent of stealing a TV set. Well, at least Frank didn't claim he lived in Hot Springs, Arkansas, like Punchy did when he got pinched stealing a TV, like no one in the police department knew who he was. Okay, back to Rhode Island. Then, on February 11th, Jackie was indicted for the murder of Boletto and held without bail. The trial was delayed numerous times, and then in October of 56, the court reintroduced the case against him regarding the robbery, rape, and assault of Alice Nalbandian from 1954. That case ended in a hung jury. A grand jury was convened to bring jury tampering charges in January of 57, but it was abandoned. Later that month, jury selection began for the Boletto murder trial. Despite witness testimony placing Jackie at the scene, he was acquitted on February 15th and freed on $5,000 bail for burglary, the only charge the court was willing to pursue against him in the Alice Nalbandian case. That burglary charge was dropped in September. Not to leave out the others, let me backtrack a little. In March of 56, Joseph Maffeo was arrested for safecracking. The judge set bail at $60,000. He made bail the same day despite being on welfare. In May, Louis Maffeo was shot in the foot in his pizza parlor. There were no witnesses, and Louis said he couldn't ID his assailant. By July, Anthony Millay was picked up on a B&E charge, and in September, Joseph got a two-and-a-half-year sentence for the safe-cracking charges. The following month, the Maffeo dice game was raided. Arrested were Frank and Rudy Maffeo, Dante Schiara, and Louis Minacchio's brother, Andrew. At the beginning of 57, Dominic Rocky Valenti was found in Pawtucket, shot to death in his car. He was shot nine times and a penny was found in his hand. The police said that it was a gangland trademark, stating that the victim's life wasn't worth a penny. An associate of Rocky's, Michael Mandela, was found shot to death in his car in September. A total of 10 rounds were pumped into his body. It was rumored that Mandela was pressuring other bookies. Jackie Nazarian was a suspect in both cases. The following month, Albert Anastasia was killed in a barber shop in New York City. Many writers have stated as fact that Raymond lent out Jackie to whack Albert Anastasia with Joe Gallo. They claim that the source of the was the wiretap at Raymond's office. What Raymond did say was that New York approached him looking for a hitter. Considering the content of the transcripts that have been released, it is far more likely that Raymond was suffering from hubris rather than stating a fact. According to the transcript, Raymond claimed that the Genovese family contacted him to assist in the assassination of Anastasia, and he sent Jackie Nazarian. Congressional reports and House hearings ran with that snippet, including that when New York needed a hitter, they went to Rhode Island. We've said this in multiple episodes before, but Raymond was barely able to take out Willie Maffeo in his own neighborhood, and even that was questionable. When Barboza testified in 1972 during the organized crime and sports hearings, he testified that Jackie killed Anastasia at the behest of Raymond and was responsible for 26 murders. He went on to testify that Frank Costello directed Raymond to kill Walter Ruther in 1938, but that he shot the refrigerator instead. Raymond spent all of but one month of 1938 in the can. I highly doubt that. Well, Barbosa was only a decade off. He was as unreliable as Vinnie Teresa. Ruther was shot in his kitchen in 1948, not 1938. 
To further discredit himself, Barboza told the committee that Raymond took over the New Eng- over New England from a man named Bo Bigelow in 1947. Who the hell is Bo Bigelow? Talk about a Fakazi. Barboza was a worse liar than Vinny. No wonder Frank Salemi sat in front of the senators and lied through his teeth. Precedent had been set by Barboza and Teresa. Don't get me started on Frankie Salemi and his lies. We are going to pick that thing apart. Anyway, Barboza claimed that those connections were the reason why Raymond was contracted to kill Anastasia. (laughs) Hey, he shot up a refrigerator. You'd reach out to him to take out the head of Murder Incorporated. The theory behind Raymond being involved stemmed from his ties to the Genovese family, and of course, out-of-towners would be plausible. But the more plausible theory was that Gambino used drug dealers loyal to him from the Lower East Side of Manhattan to kill Anastasia, including Stephen Armoni, Stephen Gramada, and Arnold Wittenberg. I get that Genovese wanted to take out Anastasia, but his reasoning was that he needed Anastasia out of the way to take out Frank Costello, but that didn't happen. Frank went into a sort of retirement and died of old age, and Genovese died in the can. It was rumored that Lucky Luciano paid a drug dealer to testify against Genovese. The bad blood between them went back decades. You'll remember from episode 20 that Luciano, Anastasia, and Costello squeezed Genovese into a truce in 1946. Carlo Gambino being behind the hit on Anastasia is much more likely. After all, he was Anastasia's underboss at that time, and by eliminating Anastasia, Gambino became the boss. The Anastasia family became the Gambino family upon his murder. Maybe that story was part of what motivated John Gotti to take out Castellano. Probably. As for Jackie killing 26 people, who did he kill? The number of hits in Rhode Island from the time he was old enough to the time he died was five, and he probably didn't kill Boletto. Maybe he took out Mike Mandela as he was out of prison by then, and Eddie Hannon happened a month before he was arrested again. John Felix Latendre was hit in April of 46, and Carlton O'Brien in May of 52. Both of those murders remain unsolved. Colonel Stone testified at a Senate hearing that he believed Jackie killed both Mandela and Latendre. Another very unreliable source. During the McClellan hearings in February of 59, Raymond was questioned about his inheritance that he claimed his mother left him and that he had used as his initial investment in the National Cigarette Company. His statement that he inherited $80,000 was called into doubt as on paper he only received $6,993.65 and there wasn't a will. Raymond said that it was in property and life insurance. When questioned about his relationship with Jackie Nazarian, Raymond stated that he never worked for him or Carrazza at National Cigarette. Further, he said that he had no knowledge of any Brooklyn contacts Jackie might have had or any idea what Jackie's profession was. The committee questioned him about the Tiger Boletto murder, but Raymond's counsel, Curran, interjected that Jackie had been cleared of all charges. Curran also had been Jackie's lawyer in the Boletto trial. The committee pressed on, including the chief witness in Boletto's murder, was strangled to death three weeks later, meaning Hannon. Of course, Raymond denied any knowledge. The month after Raymond's testimony at the hearings, Nikki Bianco, Willie Marfeo, Louis Minacchio, Jackie Nazarian, and two others were arrested as suspicious persons. Rudy Schiara was picked up on drug charges the following month. Then in April, the Belmar, which was owned by Edward Millay, was robbed and the storeroom was torched. They claimed that the costume jewelry had been taken. In June, Bobby Fairbrothers and Anthony Caruso were shot by the cops while doing a B&E. To finish off 59, Gaetano Di Nicola was found shot to death in his car in Framingham, Massachusetts. He was believed to be an enforcer from Connecticut. 
In his pocket was Jackie Nazarian's phone number on a piece of scratch paper. However, in 1960, seemed to be relatively quiet. Anthony Malay was arrested on assault charges in May of 61. Then in September, Jackie was involved in a hit and run with a motorcycle. He fled the scene and the driver of the motorcycle was seriously injured. Jackie was arrested the following day and freed on $10,000 bail. Willie Maffeo was charged with illegal gambling in August. In the meantime, Jackie was shaking down people all over the city, threatening them with personal injury or damage to their property. He forced one store owner to pay up to prevent his windows from being smashed. At one point, he was described as a good kid in his earlier years, but he had become a wino and was rumored to be drinking a gallon of wine at a time. On January 13, 1962, Jackie was shot five times at close range. That evening, he had eaten at a cafe on Federal Hill and had left alone. A short distance from the cafe, he was shot in the mouth, left shoulder, back, and buttocks. Two women called the police after hearing cries for help and found Jackie at their door. They recognized him and asked if he had been in a fight, and he said, yeah. An ambulance arrived and rushed him to the hospital. He refused to tell the cops who his assailant was and eventually succumbed to his injuries on the 17th. Rudy Schiara was the prime suspect and was arrested at his home on January 24th. After Rudy was arrested for Jackie's killing, Raymond was contemplating hiring an unnamed ballistics expert and a fingerprint expert. Another theory for why Jackie was killed was because when Raymond was sick, Jackie was supposedly telling people he was going to take Raymond's spot. One year later, Willie Maffeo was also arrested for Jackie's murder, but they couldn't get an indictment. Rudy Schiara was acquitted on February of, in February of 1963. Curran was also his attorney. It would be another seven years until Louis the Fox Taglianetti would be charged with Jackie's murder. Louis was killed shortly after. No one was ever convicted of Jackie or Louis's murder. I wonder how many unsolved gangland murders there are between Rhode Island and Massachusetts. I'd say the majority of them have gone unsolved. Another research project. Back to the 60s. In February 1964, Rudy and Savino Maffeo, Frank and Anthony Malay, and Richard DeSaro were arrested on gaming charges. Two days later, Rose Maffeo, the wife of one of the Maffeo boys, home was broken into. Rugs and clothing were taken. Two months later, Savino Maffeo was picked up on welfare fraud charges. A couple of months later, Willie Maffeo was arrested for receiving $6,000 worth of stolen men's suits, but the charges would be dropped later in the summer. In May, the gambling charges were also dropped against the Maffeos, Malays, and DeSaro, but later that month, Louis Maffeo and his wife were hit with illegal gambling charges. Family business, after all. Willie Maffeo was once again charged with illegal gambling activities in March of 1965. He was released on $500 bail. John Barbieri was found under a pile of leaves, shot to death that same month. Then in July, Savino Marfeo, too, was arrested on gambling charges along with his wife, Angelina. But the charges against Willie were thrown out. Anthony Malay, in the meantime, was charged with stealing a dog in possession of heroin, for which he was fined $50. In June, Edward Sciarra was picked up for possession of betting slips. A little over a week later, Rudy Sciarra, Louis, and Andrew Monacchio, Blondie Simonelli, and eight others were hit with federal gambling tax charges. In the spring of 1966, Rudy Sciarra pleaded guilty to one count of tax and the tax charges. On July 13th, Willie Maffeo was shot to death inside the corner restaurant, inside of a phone booth outside the corner restaurant. On August, Ma Artie Maffeo was shot at in his home. 
Three men were seen fleeing the scene. Joe Bakari was identified as the getaway driver. That evening, Joe, Louie, and Raymond Bakari were arrested. Rudy refused to testify against his brother-in-law, so the authorities couldn't make a case. But they came after Joe for a parole violation because he was carrying a concealed weapon. They got a conviction, but not until the fall of 1967 when he was sentenced to one year in prison. We'll cover what happened to Joe in season two. There would be a total of five attempts on Rudy's life before the end of 1967. Two months later, Frank Amelay Jr. was shot and killed in Rudy Maffeo's apartment. There were eight other teenagers in the apartment at the time. Rudy's daughter initially lied and said that the boy was shot outside. The shooting was deemed an accident. As we mentioned at the beginning, we're ending this episode in 1966. We'll be back on the hill at the end of this season. Rudy Schiara, Louis Minocchio, Bobby Fairbrothers, Johnny Rossi, Anthony Malay, and Rudy Maffeo will play a prominent role. The family feud in Providence spilled over into Boston, but not in the typical way a feud would have. Keep listening to find out. Next week, we'll be profiling Gennaro, Jerry, and Julo. The title of that episode is They're After Me Like a Fucking Animal. Another one of my favorite quotes from the wiretap at Raymond's office. We hope you listen in. Keep the fan mail coming and subscribe, share, and like. Bye. Bye. Double Deal. True stories of criminals, crimes, and lies. 